0: Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, you know we let our listeners ask us questions? Uh, Most of them live in semi, semi-anonymity and
1: uh, generally just use the first names. Well, there's a good reason for that, Rick. Um, otherwise, they'd have to live with the uh, reputation that uh, they're a Bottle Talk listener. That that would be ridiculous. Yeah, we'd even make fun of them. But, <laughs> and we do make we, fun we of We do, them. yeah, it's true. Uh, sorry,
0: no, that's not true. Uh, feel free. <laughs> Um, but today we're we're gonna dime out a man who recently binge listened through all five and a half seasons. Dear God, uh, he, uh, yeah, he wow. Came up with a bunch of good questions too. Well, uh, I just thinking about dime out. Uh, I was was trying to sound street for like forty years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I loved Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I don't think they were ever street cool to begin with. That explains so much about my youth. That <laughs> really does. All right. <laughs> In any case, uh, our friend is named John McLaughlin. He lives in Farmington, Michigan, and he is totally cool. He is. He powered Listen to all of our shows through all of our seasons over a few weeks. He is more than cool. He is mentally tough. He is mentally tough. And I suppose physically too, because I think it has to take a physical toll. (laughs) So that's why we feel we owe it to him to answer some of those great questions he asked today. So we've got a bunch of questions and he also challenges us, mainly you, Paul. Oh, good. On what may have been some uh, contradictions and
1: changes of opinion. That's not what I said. (laughs) Yes, but (laughs) we are. Consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds. And that defines us. Uh, So also today
0: we're we're starting something new today. Uh, We're going to recommend a couple of wines we really like. We, Decide that uh, there isn't enough of that in the world. <laughs> right. But we're not going to use descriptions really to describe them. We're just going to tell you that we like them. And we promise uh, they won't be impossible to find, which does make us
1: unusual. Or, or impossible to afford. We're going to try to make them wines that you can go out and buy. Well, we're not all made of money like you, Paul. But <laughs> yes, still, that would be us. And, uh, plus,
0: our horrible wine writing is both cliche, repetitive, and meaningless. That sounds like us, Rick. Yeah, but at least we're adorable. Um, And with the help of our new friend, John, we're going to make fun of wine stomps. And by the way, we are still... Week by week, we continue to be on Capital Public Radio. at Sacramento's NPR station. It know, is. Yeah. Podcast lineup. Recommended podcasts yep. right there with people you've heard of. I am telling you, those folks are gluttons for punishment. We're also on Napa Broadcasting, and network comes out of Napa Valley College. Yes, the institution of greater learning in Napa County. A place that you teach, in, yet they still have good rankings. Well, yeah. it, go, it goes to show. And, uh, of course, we're available just about everywhere you can find a podcast. This includes Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Look for us on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter our handle is at Rick and Paul Wine go there ask us a question and uh, and you can go there and to listen to every show too through just like every John, season every single show our best friend John McLaughlin did just that which is a staggering act of patience and endurance and I dare say foolishness
1: but John thank you he must be so confused right now. <laughs> well, he
0: sort of is. And John sent us a hand, handful of pretty charming emails as he was progressing. Uh, we're going we're, we're to tell you the good parts, not the Falling part where he was deeper, ranting at deeper us.
1: into the morass. Yes.
0: Um, his psychologist has, has been on call. <laughs> um,
1: uh, Did the last one just say help? Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> uh, but here's, here's part of this first. He says, I recently came across your show after listening to Paul's book, The Instant Sommelier from Audible. Cool. Uh, I'm going to pause here and give Paul 10 seconds for a gratuitous plug of his lecture
1: series. Well, actually, uh, it's really an honor. It was through the Great Courses, and uh, they pick top lecturers from around the world and ask them to lecture on topics they love. And I got to do something on wine, so they, I've had fun. Yeah, they ran out of top lecturers, and so they, <laughs> they, they brought me. It <laughs> me. Yeah, good. That's right. So,
0: and, and one important thing: if anybody looks it up, and I it, it actually. <laughs> Oh, I, I hate to I say, hate myself for saying this. They're really good, um, but one important thing you should know is the young, good-looking guy when you get to the website is not and never was Paul. <laughs> no, uh,
1: all right, uh, that's right. All right. Now, so, although they did have to take a new picture of me because I sent him a picture and they said mm, no.
0: You, you gave him that one from 20 years ago. Yeah, everybody's headshot at that <laughs> our right. age is 20 years old. All right. So anyway, back to our pal John. This is what he wrote. He said, "I'm working my way through the history of your show, starting from the beginning, and man, presently into season two. I listen to an episode or two just about every day. Since kind of I'm, like cod liver oil. I, this is, man, it's like amazing. He's amazing. Uh, since I'm a few years behind in my listening, but catching up quickly, I hope you haven't already addressed my question in a later episode. Yet, but uh, well, wait, I have, that I have. That's to. our solution, Rick. We just say, "Yeah, we have," and we can move right on. Yes, and even when he's caught up, which he will be, we'll just keep telling him he missed an episode. <laughs> right. So he, this is his question, and I like it. He says specifically, "Master about Master of Y and Master Sommelier, please teach us something about these credentials and why, now speaking to us, we do or don't have them ourselves." And thank you, great show. He says, okay. "I'll tell you why I don't have them. They're a lot of work.
1: They are a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, pr- pretty basic difference." Uh, both of them are aimed at people who work in the wine trade. Um, Master of Wine is generally considered more academic, more research-oriented, mm-hmm. and Master Sommelier is targeted more towards those who work in a restaurant environment, obviously. So they actually have a, a, a whole segment on uh, service, customer service, wine service, that the MWs wouldn't have. On the other hand, the MWs, uh, as part of their their certification, have to write a research paper on a, a key topic in the industry. That's not true of the SOM. So th- there are some sort of basic differences. Both of them take years to complete. Both of them are quite expensive. Ve- and it- very difficult. And very difficult. And that's pretty much why we don't have them. And uh, there's uh,
0: the, the psalm uh, line, the master psalm line, um, has a handful of certifications below it that a lot of uh, working psalms end up getting. and mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. folks who just love wine end up getting, too. Yep. Um, yep. The, uh, I am not a fan of one part of all of this, um, and it's the chasing letters thing where— um, it's
1: there are folks well, Rick, in and out of the I, industry I think the problem is you have to get close enough to the letters to they, catch they move them they're so quick and you know, and the problem is you you seem to always keep fairly far well
0: you know the letters that are really quick vowels they just <laughs> they're just sliding
1: around on me i just can't get
0: near them oh, no, it is um it's one thing to and and lots of folks in the service industry are are getting certified i friends of ours heck our um our uh, associate producer jerry Marin is working on certificates and Uh and part uh of it is to advance in the industry and that's all great but some of it is to brag that i have this and you don't and it's unfortunate because these are things that are supposed to be about good service and about in essence being better at wine for people who to help people
1: although i would say that if you were after your master psalm degree and you carry that attitude of you're better than other people, you won't get it because that's part of the service element. And Um, and you know what else? We'll make fun of you. Yes, we will. I I, I would say that um, the the other thing I would point out is that I I have – because I have taught at Napa College for the last 25 years, I have some very specific disagreements with the way both of those organizations teach certain elements of the business, and it would I would not be comfortable answering the exam questions the way they want them answered, because mm-hmm. I don't think that's the right answer. So there's well, another reason why I haven't pursued the certification.
0: Well, there's another one other part too, and uh, you've heard us moan about this before, and I certainly will again, is that you hear these descriptions that we love to make fun of and I, I always say they feel like they're taking one of the psalm exams and the way they take the wine apart uh, is I understand it from from one point as a professional evaluator but sure. I but but on the other hand what is missing from all of that are the things that anybody that they would be serving would actually want to know or fun or fun they take or the fun, fun out of it yeah and we don't like people to take the fun out of it no. This is why we like John, because he is a fun guy. So he had other questions. He did. Now that we didn't answer that one. Yeah. Really well. well, we... We, we, we waved uh, at it. D- yes, we waved at it. High question. All right. <laughs> so this is another one from John. He said, Are there any wines made from white or green grapes that soak on the skins
1: like a red wine does? And what does that do to the color and character of the wine? Yes, there are. Yes, there are. And there are some that do it very lightly and quickly, which just adds a little structure to the wine and doesn't really change much. It just gives them a little tannin. But the wines that Rick is thinking of, I'm quite sure, are what are called the orange wines. That's exactly what I was thinking. And they're actually made exactly like white wine, uh, red wine. Mm-hmm. So you take the juice and the skins, you ferment that together. The juice picks up some of the tannins and components in the skins, and they make a much richer, more powerful white wine. Uh, and they've been. Become kind of a geeky um, uh, favorite over the last few years. I'm
0: telling you, I've had some that I've really liked, and I've had some that I've really hated. Um, and I'm sure they felt the same way about you. No, right? no, they mostly just hate me. Yeah, um, <laughs> there was one guy; who was nice. Oh, <laughs> uh, one guy. Yeah. yeah, the the they are. It is a very different version of that wine. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's got yeah. you know white wines with tannin, and um, and and the flavors change as well. Um, it
1: is, uh, you know, go for it. I mean, I think it's a two, fun thing. So two reactions. yeah, one of them is you got red wines. If you want tannin and all that, drink a red wine. Yeah. other reaction. Why wouldn't you want to play with this stuff? Yeah. Wine is all about having fun and trying new stuff. Go yeah. try a new wine. Yeah. try an orange wine.
0: The one, the one. There is one other side of this, which is that some of the wines become orange wines, or really they they, they get them oxidized, and that that changes the flavors entirely. And yes, you've got a wine
1: that's so fun. much orange as brown. Yes, and, and when that happens, you're drinking sherry, and sherry can be a good wine, but or you're drinking vinegar. Yes, so which, it's going that direction which too. Is
0: traditionally not a good wine. Yes, it's not. It's traditionally not. But you know, a little <laughs> olive oil mixed in, and you I got just, salad. Dressing. No man, I chug it. It's lo- it's lovely good stuff. <laughs> but so that so that so John, the answer is yes. They're actually they do do that. And, and when you see orange wines on a restaurant menu or in a wine shop,
1: um, and you're curious,
0: are. give it a try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what they are. So uh, and uh, by uh, the way, those wines are normally not served chilled. Uh, The way white wines are chilled, they are served more at the temperature of a red wine, which, as we know, is slightly cooler than room temperature in America. Yes. Yes. As we all do know that.
0: Uh, That's another row we are not going to go down. Um, So uh, let's uh, go to our uh, fast forward machine. A week has passed. John says, I've listened to every episode of the first four seasons. With that much listening, a couple things have happened. First thing, I'm starting to have nightmares about bad sommeliers (laughs) and of you two ranting of bad wine writers.
1: (laughs) He's good, huh? Yeah. yeah, The good part is we give ourselves nightmares, too. It's true, Actually, Rick gives me most of my nightmares.
0: You should see poor Anthony after a recording session. (laughs) He he doesn't sleep for days. All right. Back to John anyway. He says, the second thing is I'm finding that your opinions on things seem to have changed over the years or at least slightly on a couple of uh, subjects. Paul, okay. us, inconsistent? <laughs> can you imagine how, how Rick, this can? happen? I don't
1: remember what I had for lunch today. How
0: <laughs> can I remember what I said four years ago? I, I remember that I liked my lunch. No, I didn't. <laughs> All right. So he has a couple questions on this. So okay. question one, in an early episode of season four, I love this. I heard Paul actually give some sort of a definition of the term minerality. Uh, this seems to be right after he spent some time with a friend of his in Oregon who was a defender of the term. So what's the scoop? Is it a real
1: term If so, what is it? So he's absolutely right that um, I spent time with a dear friend of mine up in Oregon who loves the concept of minerality. And she and I had quite a long and serious discussion about it. And just to clarify, John, I don't think it's a very helpful term. Um, I think it is misleading to people. I think the research has shown that when you ask people – what what they mean by minerality, the meanings come back on a whole spectrum of things. So if the word means six or seven different things to different people, why use a word like that when we can use a word that's more descriptive? So I haven't really changed my tune on that. Um, But I do respect my friend in Oregon and know that she believes what she believes very strongly and she finds it helpful. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Some people would argue it's a sense of the wine. But but what we say over and over is if you think it tastes like stones for some reason – not crushed stones because you know those are so different. Yes. Um, then, then say it, it, there's a you know, or it tastes like earth. It's a one yeah. that people comes well, up. It reminds me of a forest. So then say that if it reminds me yeah. of seashells. I mean, my so problem with that. the word
1: minerality is I always want to know which mineral does right. it smell like—lead or copper or zinc or right. yes, yeah
0: or. Plutonium. Be specific. Is, is plutonium it, a mineral?
1: It is, but I don't think
0: you want to smell much of it. Yes, only once. <laughs> um, all right. So, so fundamentally, that's that's what we think. And yeah. Lots of people use it. Uh, um, people, people use it
1: generally to describe wines that don't have a lot of fruit. Right. And so they say they're mineral as right. if, you know, it's almost like playing 20 questions. Animal, mineral, vegetable. I think they should say it's animal. <laughs> well, there are wines that smell like animals, that's but true. I don't like to drink those. So. All right. So we had another one. He says, okay. you're not
0: big supporters of wine glass shape being a contributor to the Taste, but you seem to have softened your view on that. And actually, Paul and I are going to disagree on that, but let me finish this question. Um, well, but not really, but forgetting paper cups and elk horns. This is John again. We like John. I like horns. elk horns. Yes, I like elk Actually,
1: they are really a great way to deliver one. <laughs> actually, elk please. horns are not horns, they're antlers, so there's no see, place to be. See
0: put how them he on. is, John? This is, this is what I'm talking about. All right. So, forgetting paper cups and elk horns, please give us one more time your light, latest thinking on the shape and type of glass and how it affects the tasting experience. Well, I enjoy the experience more with the standard red or white glass. If I use something other than the standard glass you've described. So I'll, I'll say this um, there, the glass does affect. Uh, uh, the flavor or taste, because it affects how you smell it. And I've been through these experiments, and I do them on
1: my kitchen counter. Which has th- been through many experiments. That's true. The results of which, that, some of which are still being withheld. The hell. one that that grew the Elkhorn. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little pissed
0: off about that one. What was his uh,
1: name, <laughs> Professor? <laughs> yes. uh,
0: but I've, you know, and so you can there. Is, you will actually you will notice it, but it's really all about the smell. Now, having said that. It's not the thing to fret about. Right. And generally, in general, right. there's a, a, a good shape for red and a good shape for white, and, and the difference
1: is going to be more or less minimal. And my position is... Every wine competition I've worked over oh, yeah. the years for the last 25 years yep. generally uses a single basic wine sh- glass shape for all the wines, and we seem to taste the wines just fine. And if you think you need 12 different kinds of glasses to serve wine in your house, you should really invest in something other than wine
0: Yeah, glasses. and that's the thing is don't let uh, I mean, if you'd like to have a collection of wine glasses because it's fun, that's cool, because if it's fun, that's cool. But don't let somebody tell you that you, tell you need to have the Sauvignon Blanc glass and the Chardonnay glass and the Sauvignon Blanc from, from New Zealand glass and the right. cab from Northern Napa glass and the cab from Southern <laughs> Napa glass. Um, and yeah. and uh, so fundamentally, and there is, you know, but I'll, I'll say this for the fun of it, John, or anybody else who wants to try that. If you've got a couple of different kinds of wine, uh, sitting you know, of glasses, and you like to do this with friends, um, is pour the same wine into a handful of glasses and see what and drink you it see, all and see if you th- see if there's a difference and drink it all and yeah. then you'll be happy. Right, right. And then by the end of that you're drinking another bottle but that's fine. <laughs> all
1: right. And right, you'll yeah. be
0: happy too. Okay, he's got another one. Okay. Paul seems to love to say that all wine <laughs> is garnet in color. All red wine. Yes. I, I assume he means all reds. See? See? Yeah. See? He's got See? you, Paul. God. He's, he's, he's got He's good. John has been listening <laughs> all every show. But he says, I've also heard him describe the differences between the big five reds, I think that's what you called them once, as partly being differences in color yep also I, I, and this is the part I like I also have a poster that shows probably 20 25 different colors of wine from white to red to tawny and the term garnet is only on a few <laughs> Since I paid actual money for this poster, not too much and haven't paid anything less in biotech, I'm a little more inclined to believe it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Please explain all the all the wine is garnet comment just a little more. Well, um John's absolutely right that in my in my instant sommelier course I give some basic ideas on how the colors of some of the primary varietals like Cabernet and Pinot Noir are different. Pinot Noir is lighter in color, Cabernet is darker in color. But w- my my point in saying all wine is garnet is to say that if if you're really enjoying the wine, color yeah. May tell you a little bit about the wine, but boy, don't choose your wine based on what color, what shade of garnet your color is. Yeah, it is. really isn't
0: gonna. It, it should never affect your buying decision for starters, right? right? And you know, right. the Pinot Noirs can be light in color and dark in color, and that doesn't mean the light one's going to be light in flavor, the dark one's going to be dark in flavor, right? Um, and and we also tend to make fun of the way critics use them as if yes. they are this powerful
1: note yes. because it is a deep garnet, a deep garnet with a slightly amber rim. Yes, yes. yes so. And and that chart. John, that chart does two things. It not only talks about the colors of the wine in terms of the differences between grapes, but as we talked about earlier in this show... Um, wines that are oxidized, wines that are older turn a different color. So part of the reason you've got that chart of those 25 colors is that some of that is showing wines that are older and the color changes as it gets older. But John, I have the solution for us. Instead of buying another poster, just send us the money and we'll tell you not to pay attention to the color and everything's good. Or you know what? We should put out a poster what
0: would we put on the poster the, right the different colors of the your, garnet the looks on your face the and, different and the color. way the way the slow red rises through the rank of the show as you get angrier and angrier
1: shades this of garnet 50 shades of garnet <laughs> yes all
0: right that is it for john's questions for now we have oh. a couple more coming up uh, but first we're going to give john and everyone else uh, more nightmares about some really horrible wine writing. All right, John, hang
1: on. Here we
0: go. <laughs>
1: Here's one from Paul. Okay. This 100% varietal wine is bright and plush, layered in detailed black currant and cassis liqueur. A high-toned mid-palate evolves to show a classic style of structure as the ending plays out. Drink or hold. All right. So this this was a Cabernet, if I remember this wine. Yeah, but you know what? There is what? nothing. There's
0: no help here. No
1: help. You're right. No, it's 100% varietal. That's good. I love the drink or hold. Yes, drink or hold. And, and it tastes like blackcurrant or cassis liqueur. And, of course, cassis liqueur is made from... Black currant. Really? Is it really? <laughs> what a coincidence! That, yes, yes, golly! Yes, I and it's know. a high tone mid palate, right? And right. a classic style of structure. I
0: don't even know what a high tone mid palate
1: means. I don't know what a classic style of structure is either. <laughs>
0: yes, it's. But it's the a ending, structure that is classic. But Paul. Rick,
1: the important thing about this wine is the ending plays, plays out. out. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, would be, it would be yes. I've because you know I've had endings that <laughs>
0: didn't play out. So they. They were really just middles. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wouldn't happen here because this is high-toned in the middle. Yes. All right. So mine is ridiculous in a different direction. These These are two wines from the same critic. Uh, one is a nap based red blend, and I tell you okay. so you know that you can compare. Okay. The winery name removed so we don't get sued works with a family of growers to source a diverse variety of grapes from premier vineyards throughout California. So this is a wine writer who already took the the, the, the marketing Drank the Kool-Aid. Yep, yep, And picks an optimum rightness to get the best expression of the variety. The Which, wine- Rick- do you know any winemakers who don't pick at optimum no, rightness? I, I know a guy, he picks it when it's really bad. <laughs> he says, you know what? I'm going to mess with my wine uh, club, and I'm going to get it when it's not even good. totally oh, good. Right. Yeah. So then it gets in the description. This wine has a plush, silky texture with blackberries, black cherries, hints of spice and toast, which is what everybody, okay. every yes. red wine has. Yes. It's drinking beautifully right now, but it has the structure to continue to develop over the next three to five years. He didn't mention garnet. Well, yeah. See? Okay. Well, okay. So How about here's, the next one? Here's one is from. It's an Argentine Argentine Marlbeck from Mendoza. Easy for you to say. Not Napa Valley. It's a. It's a different different grape. It's a different country. It's a different style. A different region. So the winery name removes so we don't get sued. Sources from family growers and premium vineyards throughout Mendoza, which is different
1: from California. Yeah, but it's exactly the same words as the previous one. It gets even better. Okay. They pick an
0: optimum ripeness, Paul. How do they do that? To get the perfect expression of the Malbec (laughs) variety, which is different than the variety. Yes. Um, the wine shows loads of blackberry and dark cherry. Now, that's a list of different, as well as complex spice and toast. Well, the other one was blackberries and black cherries, and this one is oh, blackberry and dark cherries. Yes. So that's different. So the difference. that's a whole different thing. It's black a, cherries versus dark cherries. Right. And drinking beautifully, but has a balance that developed for three to five
1: years. Well, there you go. So there's a lot of help right there, I would say. Well, I would say that somebody had to write a whole bunch of wine descriptions in a hurry and yeah, just started That's probably and pasting. what it was. Huh? Yeah. Well, we're going to give a little help. Because we're starting something new. So every show, we are going
0: to recommend a wine. Yes, uh, we are. A wine, each of us. And, um, and we're going to tell you just a little bit about why we love it. Yeah. But we're not going to tell you whether it's guarded or not. As you can tell, we're, we love it so much, we're talking over our, our music. We're, we're, <laughs> we love this so. So, Paul, tell me about your wine.
1: Well, um, I, as you, know, as you know, Rick, I was in New Zealand a while back, and I went to a winery called Kumeo River which is a uh, small producer in uh, North Island and New Zealand, and they make absolutely wonderful wines. And the story I have to tell is we were hosted by the owner of the winery, and when he got out to pour the wine, his mother, in her 80s, came into the tasting room just to take a look and make sure that he was... Now, he's been been working at the winery for 30 years. That's all right. She still had to come in and say hello to everybody. Uh, She sat on one of the case boxes in the back of the room and just watched the show for a little bit. The wine is beautiful. And this is... If, if you read international wine reviews on wine, you will find that this Kumeo River Chardonnay consistently gets really great reviews. Uh, it's not easy to find, but it's well but worth it's it. But it's not
0: impossible
1: because no, it will show right.
0: up in lots of shops and lots yep. of restaurant rooms. And,
1: yeah. and the real fun of this is go- for me is going back to that scene and watching his mom come into the back of the room and sit down on one of the cases and just make sure that he was doing an okay job. He'd only been doing it for 30 years. So, spell Kumeo so people don't. So it's know. K-U-M-E-U, because you think
0: it'd be E-O, but yes. And,
1: and, of course, the other part of this is New Zealand is famous for Sauvignon Blanc, but they make other fabulous white wines, right. including Riesling and, in this case, Chardonnay. Right.
0: And mine's a little more close to home, for at least for us. Um, this is uh, a wine that I really do like, and uh, you can find this one everywhere. It's ha- the Han Monterey County Pinot Noir. Uh-huh. They, they make a handful of Pinots. Uh, a lot of them are more expensive. This one is in that... Twelve dollar ish range. You can sometimes find it for That's a buck or money two cheaper. Well, for me, yeah, 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 especially for the seven. I'm going to drink on Tuesday night, but it's actually <laughs> um, a really lovely wine. And yeah. what I like about it is, and I do love the uh, uh, Pinot Noir from all of Monterey County. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. this is this is that um, that if you like the slightly bigger style of Pinot, but with a, a real silkiness to it, this has that. Uh-huh. And for anybody who likes Pinot Noir, it just hits all the buttons at a really nice price. And um, the cool. It's, it's easy to find.
1: And, and yet it's hard to find because finding good, affordable Pinot Noir right. is hard to do. and that It good is, that? actually yeah.
0: might be right at, uh, one, of the, one of the really, really good Pinot Noir buys.
1: Yeah, cool.
0: All right. So uh, we're going to go back to questions from John Excellent. because he's our question asker for this. But you can ask us a question anytime and you don't have to power listen to every one of our shows. Uh, especially if you don't want to put up with the nightmares. Uh, so this, <laughs> so this, is, this is John asking again, and this is a good question. Yep. He says, what do you think of all the gadgets that are made that supposedly make the wine better or at least different at the time of pouring? There's magnet rings, aerator spas, the magic devices that age the wine by a year for every second it's held in the wine, et cetera, et cetera, cool. et
1: cetera. Rick, you, you, drank, you ate one of those magic devices it worked once on it... me,
0: yes. <laughs> actually, actually, that's why I don't use it on the wine because when you use it on the wine, then you use it on you. I'm now 117, and it's really
1: not feeling that good. So, um, So let's talk about a couple of different things. One of them is aeration. Because aeration just gets oxygen into the wine, and most wines, if they are young, uh, enjoy a little oxidation. And that's what you're doing when you're swirling. That's right. You're swirling it. But it's what you do when you're decanting. And all of those things just add a little air to the wine, and often it opens the wine up and makes it a little more aromatic. And you don't have to buy an expensive and complicated aerating device. You can simply buy an old milk bottle and pour it into the milk bottle and back into the wine bottle, and you've aerated it just as successfully. But those
0: And one thing I I would suggest, if somebody does have an aerator, um, is taste the wine before you aerate it. Just make yes. sure that it needs that it feels a little tight, yeah. like that you and want in fact, it to open. fact, I mean,
1: again, my 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 favorite story about this is a major magazine once did a comparison where they they did everything from straight out of the bottle to a week and regularly aerated, mm-hmm. and they brought in four wine experts, and they all agreed that the wine stays different, and each one of the experts preferred a different version yes. of the wine. Well, that's so be the way it is. it is kind yep. of the way it happens. Yes. Now, as for the magnetic resonance and the magic devices and all the rest, Rick has one he'd like to Sell you, it's only $195 and it will make every bottle taste perfect. I will discount it down to $135. You heard it first, right here on the Rick and Paul show. Yes, uh, yes, they uh,
0: those magic devices that age. I love the way it ages the wine by a year for yeah, and I know what he's talking
1: about. Um, (laughs) yeah, nah, it's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's wine, just drink it, just have fun with it. Yeah, Yeah, and I don't know that you want to be aging your wine for
0: a year for every second, because next thing you know, you've got a wine that would have died had that been... Well, on the yeah. other
1: hand, you could then bottle it as King Tut's favorite yes. wine. and
0: Yeah, but back to the point about the ones the ones that actually are effective and do something are the aerators, and it's really a, whether you need to or not is, is, is your call. But if you do decide to get one and you don't want to get a milk carton, <laughs> do taste the wine before you do it. Yeah. Right. and as you do it. Okay. Yep. And this one came about a little bit more than 3 weeks after John started. Oh boy. Tada! He's Wait a minute. I just want him he's still talking to us. He's amazing. Well, there's I noticed I noticed an anger and this one came with <laughs> cut it, the magazine words cut out. <laughs> This, this wasn't yeah. actually a, a snail mail. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. This is what he said. He says, Ta-da! I finally made it through the entire five and a half seasons of Bottle Talk. I've learned a lot from you, too, over the seasons. <laughs> and I mean, this, about, this question. About
1: uh, what, what kind of people he should associate <laughs> yes. with. Yes,
0: I think what it makes is, it makes him feel much better about the friends he does have. Actually. That's his, right. His friends, I mean, his friends there in Michigan is what I mean. Um, so I buy much of my wines online probably because they deliver. And okay. uh, default to using scores, wine writer reviews, and probably price as indicators of a Quality because I have nothing else. If I've learned anything from you, it's that uh, these are probably not good indicators for selecting wine. That's right. So my problem now is what can I use? Well, you, you just heard our, our recommendations there, so that's one. <laughs> are there any good reviews out there that I can use, and how do I know they are good reviews? Can you give us examples of good reviews that can help someone like me select wines? And I'm about to give you one, but, um, but I think there's
1: a handful of ways that you can get a little bit of help and yeah. This- well, the first one is uh, somebody who sells wine for a living. Yeah, and just get them to recommend wines and get them to listen to your feedback and as you come back to them and say well I like this one but I didn't like that one or I like this one but I wish they'd had more of this they can help you find the wines you like because you're you're giving them feedback back again as to how you liked or didn't like the wines you can't do that with point scores now
0: yeah and you can't and then to, to go sideways for a second you can't do that online either so you, so you do need to go into a shop you don't do this all the time but
1: that person can actually help you right. get into a direction right. that will help On And on the other hand, if you taste enough wine—and one example I would use here is, you know, if you ever go to a big wine tasting and taste 10, 15, 20, 30 different wines, please spit so you can walk afterwards— um, but as you go through those, if you keep track of the wines you like, you might go and look up your favorite wines and see who also liked those wines, and that might give you an idea, hmm, I seem to have more or less the same taste as, say, Rick Cushman, in which case God I'm going to go blow my brains out. Yeah,
0: yeah. I would, I would recommend that move, yeah. Um, yes. I mean, there's other ways that can get you in the ballpark of a general sense of things, and there's a sort of the crowdsourcing uh, sites, and it's only a little bit of help, but some of the sites that have so many reviews, you know you're not going to get really horrible wines
1: if they have pretty high scores. And pretty high stars is what they end up being. And at the same time, when was the last time – I mean, you and I judge wine competitions all the time. There aren't that many bad wines out there. Yeah. And Most that, wines, there is that That's yeah, true. That's yeah, true. That's a good yeah, point, yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, it's tough, but
0: I, but I want to read you um, a one. These are the kinds of reviews to look for. Um, this is one from a blog called Spitbucket. Bucket. The writer's a, a woman named Amber Lebeau, and she's been in the industry for a long time. And uh, she has a geekery section, and frankly, I say just ignore it. Uh, you right. know if you like the geekery, that's great, but that is not why you're making your choices. But you look for somebody who sorta of writes sort of like this. And she's this is a, a brandy a barrel aged red. She writes
1: very jammy dark. So sweet. wait, important here that this this is not aged in a normal barrel. Right. This right. is not this an is, oak barrel. It's taken and put into a barrel that previously had brandy in it, so as you can imagine, it's gonna have a kind yeah. of a kick to the nose that smells like brandy.
0: And this is a thing. There's a handful a of them thing. out there, and yeah. if the and you don't have to worry about figuring out whether that is in the wine because if the wine is doing that, that's part of part of its marketing. Right. So you're gonna know. And she says, uh, very jammy dark fruit, blueberry, black plum, noticeably woodsy, oak and vanilla, but it doesn't smell like brandy. Okay. okay nice. Um, she said the the residual sugar is very noticeable with the dark fruit. Have a pie filling weight and texture. Okay, that's kind of a nice Actually, description. Kind of yeah.
1: Pie filling weight. Yeah, yeah you got to get sense that. that. Yeah.
0: And then she says medium plus acidity, which is a geeky term. And she. But, you know, decent acidity helps balance it out somewhat,
1: but it's curiously citrusy. Which to me makes a lot of sense because you're tasting that pie filling and you don't want it to be too sweet, so you add a little lemon juice to it and all of a sudden I'm tasting this wine in my mouth.
0: Okay, but here's a a thing about that kind of writing that makes it work, which rather than saying notes of
1: lime, she says it's curiously citrusy, which brings up the point that it doesn't fit. Right. Also, Um, I would like to point out that there is not a single notice of any fruit or vegetable that isn't available at your local supermarket. (laughs) Yes.
0: And then then this is the part that's really helpful. Um, She says, as I'd done before with previous tastings of bourbon barrel aged wines, I did my best to keep an open mind. While it wasn't as god-awful as wine name removed so you don't get sued, this wine was still just okay. Now, that's an okay description, right? (laughs) It's off-drive, meaning a little bit sweet red blend that doesn't taste like the inside of a barrel. It's not my personal style. It's certainly in line with many mass-market red blends. In the ten to thirteen dollar range. Okay. So that tells there you, you something about that wine. Those are the kinds and of reviews. When you find that, tells that's you something about her would. too, and tells you something about her. So that's always that, helpful. The blog is Spitbucket. Yep. All right. So that is it for another round for Bile Talk with Brick and Paul. Our producer is Anthony Van Hook, who has been having nightmares even while he's awake. Thank you, Anthony. Our associate producer is Jeremy Marin, who's chasing letters, but I'm going to let him. Thanks to Capital <laughs> Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast lineup. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Ask Us Questions. We'll talk about you nicely
1: at <laughs> RickandPaulwine.com,
0: on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at RickandPaulwine. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's listening to us can give you nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) Ask John. Even better, as loyal listener and endurance athlete John McLaughlin says, one of the biggest things I've learned from you is that there are so many more wines out there that I need to try beyond the typical types I've been buying. Oh, God bless you, John. That's absolutely the best lesson. Go drink wine. Uh, I think so. I'll do that right after the show. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us.